Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Hello, and top of the morning to you, etc. Welcome to the podcast. We are a film chat podcast chatting about a film. I am Richard. Hello. With me is Abby. Hello. And also Anthony. Hello. And uh, our wild stallion has freed himself from the paddock and is not with us this week. Jimmy's not here. He's uh, roaming free somewhere in the great actual, in the actual, like the Midwest in America. Um, <laughs> but, you know, nevertheless, we're going to have a little chat about a film. This week it is the film Into the West. Yeah, I never heard of it either. Uh, but Anthony had, and he barely remembered it, and he made us do it anyway. <laughs> So, Anthony, can you tell us about Into the West, please? I can. So, uh, Into the West, uh, it was released in 1992, directed by Mike Newell, who you might know from doing For Wens and a Funeral and some other things, uh, written by Jim Sheridan and David Keating, and it stars Gabriel Byrne, Ellen Barkin, Kieran Fitzgerald, what I believe to be pronounced as Rory Conroy, um, David Kelly, Colm Meany, Brendan Gleeson, and literally every Irish actor you have ever heard of or seen. Uh, it's about uh, two young Irish boys who befriend a mysterious, wandering white horse uh, and attempt to keep it in their tower block flat. Uh, the the horse is eventually taken away from them, uh, but they manage to steal it back and are taken on a journey across Ireland, uh, all, all uh, whilst their father searches for them and learns to re-embrace his traveller roots along the way. Yeah. Her fucking zar. What was that, Abby? Sorry, <laughs> nice and loud. Her fucking zar, is what I said. <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> so, Anthony, I don't see why. I think this film was charming. Who did it charm again? Oh, charming in like a you know a gypsy giving you a giving you a fortune telling. So you're being absolutely conned out of money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, meant to be old timey and uh, you know spiritually positive. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, before we get into the why did you pick this where are we? I said gypsy there I don't mean that in a derogatory sense sometimes that is just supposed as a derogatory term traveller is the term they use in this right and uh, I mean obviously stuff like tinker is used uh, aggressively by um, horrible Irish people I believe the phrase is tinker's whore in a chip shop he's just like a backhander woman just for being there uh, but uh, you know Knacker, that's another term that comes up. That's obviously derogatory. Uh, but is it okay to say gypsy? That's the main one, I think, isn't it? That's a bit, well... Or should we stick to traveller or, I don't know, Irish gypsy? I don't know. I'm going by the fact that I didn't see that word anywhere on, like, IMDb or Wikipedia, so I'm staying away from it. That's fair. I mean, no, no offence <laughs> to anyone. I don't mean it. I'm just saying it in a kind of question manner. Mm. We'll avoid it for the for further discussion then. But you know, I think you the there's an abbreviation if you're a bit of a jerk 
where I'm from, you get you add an don't O to the say end. It. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why that it does. That seems worse to say. I think it's just the way mm. you say it, and it's just how you mean it. But okay, travellers. But it, you know, it's just people who live in uh, caravans and travel about a bit, and uh, it's either Romanian travellers, right, or Irish. Those are the main kinds that we see in pop culture and, I guess, real life. There are other types of travellers. Other other people must have caravanning, travelling communities of families and things. Or just, you know, hobos. Well, I don't think they're homeless, eh? Because they've got caravans. No, I mean, they also travel. Oh, other people, yeah. I mean, <laughs> commuters travel. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't think. All right, anyway, but this is your Irish travellers story. Or just a, it could say, like you said, broader Irish story. Um, anyway, Anthony, why did you um, put forward into the West? I'd never heard of it, so it meant nothing to me. Uh, it came back in in like a flash to me the other day because uh, I don't know if any of you guys did this, but sometimes when we were in school, they would just do trips to the cinema. Um, yeah, and the the three films I remember doing that with school was this film Into the West, which is a really weird one. Yeah. Um, considering, like, we were eight or something. Sure. Um, the film Dragonheart. Oh. And, weirdly, The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> was this just your teacher wanted to go to the cinema and used you as an excuse? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Why would they need to excuse themselves to see this? I guess you wouldn't want to tell people I just want to see Into the West. Well, no, you might be doing it on school time. But... Oh, yeah, it was on school time. <laughs> we went to see Godzilla, I think, the 90s Godzilla. I remember seeing that on a school trip. <laughs> I mostly um, remember films. Films like this feel like a, in English class when either the teacher's off or you can't, mm. can't be asked to do a lesson, so you watch one of these uh, things that... Movies that feel like they're a book, even if they're not. Um I wouldn't. I would have easily have seen this be wheeled out on one of those TVs on a stand with a VHS player. Pop that in. That's the next double English solved. <laughs> you know. It does have that feel, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I. I uh, you know, we couldn't really talk about The Empire Strikes Back uh, and Dragonheart. Maybe another day. Dragonheart. Like yes, one... but I think everyone has their take on Star Wars now, and there's not there's not need for another opinion on the matter. Yeah, <laughs> but then, and then this one it just popped into my mind a few a few weeks back, and like I, I, there was there were some images. There was there was the image of the horse in in the flat. Um, there was the horse in the cinema. I remembered, uh, and the big one because you know the cinema was filled with like eight year old children. And when, like, the kid steals someone's laundry and sticks the middle finger up, then that was literally the funniest thing we've ever seen in our lives. Mm. So, <laughs> I just think I have, to have that memory of just everyone laughing raucously at it. Because it's, you know, mildly rude. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's gold dust when you're... That <laughs> yes. I think there was one drop of the word shite as well, which probably got a laugh. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so vague memories of a horsey movie and uh, why not revisit a school 
trip. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember being surprised that I liked it because you, you, you know, you turn up, you're expecting something, well, like Dragonheart, I suppose. Um, and then we turn up to this, and it's like, oh god, this is going to be really fucking dull. And then I remember being okay with it by the end. Well, not to knock an eight-year-old, but I think this is more aimed at children. I think children are easier. I mean, saying that, though, is it entertaining? I mean, there is, there's the two sides. There's, like, the kids' story, and then there's, like, there's the father's story. Because I remember not giving two flying fucks about the dad's story <laughs> when true. I first watched it. Yeah. And then this time, it was the more compelling part of it for me, I suppose. Now that you're an alcoholic father of two. <laughs> um, okay, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, it definitely has that, that like, kids can enjoy it because there's kids and a stupid uh, action horse thing, and adults can muse over the the poignant father getting back to his roots and uh, getting out in the air and whatever, <laughs> getting, getting <laughs> off the off the wa- getting back on the wagon. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah, I would have been the same age as Ozzy at the time. Is he the old one or the little one? The little, t- little baby one. Oh yeah, because the other one's called Tato or Tito, but they say it Tato, like the brand of crisps in Ireland, or indeed potatoes in general. <laughs> Tato, <laughs> are we wanted Tato? Nobody wants you, kid. Get away. Um, well, your dad, but he's an actor. Uh, in fact, you are as well. What am I on about? Yeah, so Abby, had you heard of Into the West before? Not at all. This was completely new to me. No, and when Anthony was talking about, do you guys remember a film about some kids on a horse? And I was like, um, they have it in a flat. <laughs> oh, there's an episode of 15 Stories High where a guy is keeping a Shetland pony in his house, in his flat, in a, in a tower block in London where he's trying to win the affection of his daughter. That happened <laughs> in a thing I've seen. Well, in 15 stories, I. But um, no, no film about it. But yeah, Abby, are you a fan of the horse movie? It is, I think there's a genre of <laughs> horse movies, right? From Black Beauty to um, The War Horse. And what's that one about a zebra? Stripes. Racing Stripes? So, what, racing Stripes? That would make sense. Oh, see, there's another one as well, like... Fucking mouldy biscuit or something. Sea biscuit. Yeah. There's, also, <laughs> I there's loads of those fucking har- always harrowing. There's never a horse story that's just, I don't know, fucking gritty. It's always harrowing and r- romantic and awful. That's why I don't watch them. Just as a rule. You've seen Black Beauty. That's like a classic, isn't it? I mean, it's not, I don't know if it holds up, but. I don't remember because Black Beauty was going to be those ones from being so very young sure. where it's sort of like maybe I don't know but you're not one of these uh, ladies who love horses and have always wanted one and have a you know connection to the beautiful steeds and beasts out there that roll um, well I did in a sort of like literal but close to my house, way. So you liked horses in the? Oh, there's some horses. Let's have a look at them. Yeah, gonna say hello. Give them a, maybe a bit of a carrot. So you're not against horses, but horse films don't do it for you. What does the thing? It's sort of like animal movies in general, where they're doing like a semi-realistic job. 
Okay. So not With... like a, a dog playing basketball then. Yeah. <laughs> Different kettle of fish. <laughs> but they never like they would never like what they were actually like in real life for me, so I was like, what the fuck are they doing? That's not how this works. Yeah, horses in real life. They chew things and they shit. <laughs> They have a little run. One tried to run me over once. Or in a Cadillac. No, we, a bunch of us are standing in a field. Because, you know, the country. Well, that's <laughs> on you then, I think. You're in the horse's <laughs> domain there. The horse came running toward us, everyone scattered. I sort of stood there for a minute and went, Oh, look at that horse, beautiful. And then I realised, it's going to kill me. I should move. Right. So, so I moved right at the last minute out of pure stupidity and the, the horse was so bamboozled it was like okay you, you win you win and I could just, I could just pet him then it was nice you had, a, you had a, like a game of like a duel or a chicken game of chicken yeah completely accidentally just you must have looked enough like some hay or something that it was coming yeah. over to have a, a chomp oh well, well done um I mean, I like I. I've recently come to like horses. I never like I see them in the odd field, like literally like travellers' horses. The 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 few of them around the fields where I lived. And there's uh, one on your um, street for a little bit recently. Yeah, often they'd find a a clever way through a bush or a hedge or a back backyard and get in the street. And you'd wake up and be like, horse by the car for some reason. Okay. We had that with cows ah, where I was living. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We had it with drunks. <laughs> we still have it with drunks. <laughs> Drunk. Um, yeah, I'd not. I always sort of eye rolled my eyes. <laughs> eye rolled my eyes when it came to horse movies because they are, you know, they go a certain way usually. You're um, right, though. I never really thought about it, but they do. There is like a weird specific subgenre of films about horses. Which you're right, are really usually quite harrowing and overly romanticised. Yeah, I think it's just, and you're either the sort of person who loves them and is having like a good cry about the fucking horse uh, trying to save someone or other or being in danger, and uh, and then there's the people like me who say they're going, "Oh fucking hell, (laughs) are you for real?" Um, So the cynic in me has faded a little bit, and I do find myself fascinated. Uh, much more cow, more sort of cowboy films and stuff about uh the the actual West and general media that's about that. It get, gets me interested. And more recently, I've been trying to understand different types of horse and stuff. Still very much um unknowledgeable on the matter, but I am more. I I think they're kind of interesting beasts now. Whereas as a child, I would have been like, ugh, horses are for girls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or for farmers. Uh, or indeed jockeys. <laughs> anyway. Nevertheless, wasn't interested, hadn't heard of this. Uh, and then we watched it, and uh, I was right to be that way, because it was a chore. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a bit harsh. I don't I, I don't think it's nostalgia talking. I, th- I thought it was charming enough. Well, let's let's tuck into it. And we'll see if we come round to your way of thinking, Anthony. But I was fighting the urge to constantly stare at my phone during this. <laughs> and I can tell you Abby did not have a very happy face on. Uh, but mostly just, come on, there's no story here. <laughs> I think, do you know what it is? The threat of 
Brendan Gleeson as a cop had potential, and then it got shrugged off at the end of like, oh no. Yeah, it really, really did. It's like, oh, well, we we don't know how to have them have no consequences at the end, so we'll we'll just write this police guy who turns up and scoffs a couple of times, so we can just say at the end, ah, just leave him alone. Yeah. Also, the fact that <laughs> the toffs in it who have uh, claimed the horse or bought the horse um, are after like a bunch of sort of. Um, what are they called? Hunters? Is it called hunting? Hmm? They, the fox hunters. I mean, the fox hunters. Yeah, I guess they're called hunters, right? <laughs> the yeah. tough. Ho- the the. Is there a longer word for when you're on ho- horseback riders on horse? I don't know. Hunter to me sounds like someone who's in camo in in like a jungle or something, like fucking Rambo. And and then hunter is like some prick on a horse who's had a che- a sherry and is letting the dogs do the work. Doesn't seem like the appropriate word, but anyway, when the toffs are after the kids, with a sort of entitled, we've got to get our horse back, thing going on. You're like, well, if you get it back, this is a big profile story now, and there'll be a big dispute as to who owns the horse. Like, sh- there's not enough of a crime in this to merit uh, helicopters and whatnot. I guess it would be a big news story, especially in Ireland. It's like, ooh, well- someone's stolen a horse from a race. That is exciting, but. Well, first it was about the horse being stolen, and then it was about kids that were missing. So it was sort of, it mutated as it went along. Yeah, I also, when it film started off, I thought it was going to be more about whether the dad would be challenged for the, like, he was a benefit fraud, wasn't he, with his, with his kids? Mm. And uh, I thought there might have been more of a story as to whether he'd get to keep, like, his kids are not going to school, and he's a sort of, abs- he's not absent, but he's like a alcoholic father and there is some genuine fraud uh, and so, so I thought it might have been more the police could lean on him and say his kids are getting taken away especially if they've committed a crime and ran away with a horse but it, it just, everyone just shrugged their shoulders at the end and it was like don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> okay we all chased you here but now we're here that's enough isn't it but that's without context some of these comments so let's give it some context at the start of the film there's a wild white horse, and it's the early morning, right? And uh, what's his face? Is he from Charlie the Chocolate Factory, or he's in Stardust? Isn't he this guy, David Kelly? Where else is yes. he? Yes, uh, he was in Quaxter. Is that right? Yeah, I was looking that up. Apparently, uh, he's in Quaxter Fortune as a cousin in the Bronx, which we've done on the podcast. <laughs> Although I don't remember him in it. He was also in Mean. Machine, machine. <laughs> oh, he's the old, like the old guy that Vinnie Jones is. Uh, yeah. Friendly with, yeah, yeah. Which you've also done, and he's yeah. also in Stardust, which we will yeah. do at some point. Yeah. And Waking Dead. Oh, I don't know what that is. You don't know Waking Dead. Waking Dead. Waking Ned. Oh, Waking Ned. I was going to say, is it some spin-off of to- of like Walking Dead, Waking Dead, <laughs> the prequels? Uh, no, I'm not. No, I don't know what that film is. Oh. That's another one potentially, is it? Possibly. But anyway, um David Kelly's this old uh traveller fellow, he has like a classic uh caravan, doesn't he? Like the rounded old fashioned one. And he, he spots this horse in the early morning moonlight or whatever the fuck it is. Dark. <laughs> and this this wild uh sort of stay stallion. Although it's a the 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 sex of the horse is a bit um all over the shop. They keep calling it a bloke, and yet all the shots I saw where you actually can uh, see what 
sex than saw horses, you go, oh, that's a girl horse, guys. When it jumps to the fire and you get a good look up the horse's vag. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> we're all calling it a he still, are we? And I guess it's a, a product of the multiple horses they, they would have used for different stunts. But it did seem odd to me to show the genitals of the horse and be like, it's a fella. And like, I don't think so, guys. Was that that guys that you guys noticed, or did it bug you like it did me? Uh, not so much. Well, it's just me weird ch- checking out horses, going, oh yeah. But anyway, it's like it's it's a magical fairy horse, so it doesn't have sex. What's a celibacy coming to magic horse lo- law? <laughs> gender doesn't have gender. Oh, I wasn't genderifying it. The sex. <laughs> I mean, let's not get it. Let's not. Let's not look it. It's a. It's a pan fucking horse. It has no. Is, <laughs> what's the word when you um, have no gender and or won't decide? Is that pan? Sexual, yeah, it's non binary. Non binary horse, right? It's a non binary <laughs> horse. I'm not judging. Or, but it did have a vagina and they're calling it a he. <laughs> and it wasn't in a. like... Well, <laughs> it well, wasn't quick. because the horse had. Well, the horse didn't identify as anything. <laughs> also, the horse is the magical spiritual animal of their dead mum, right? How does that work into you know modern modern day uh, political correctness? Yeah, I mean they try and play it like it's like oh like it, it, it could be mysterious and magical or it could just be a random horse and but like really, it's a magic horse. If it's not a fucking magic horse, it's a horse that was very determined to go to some key locations and drown itself. <laughs> yeah. So very key locations that like are very important to these specific people. Yeah, and then if it's a magical horse, then, um, well, I guess we'll get to what it. And it committed why. suicide at the end. It is it, it no, I didn't. The suicide if it's a real horse, a, a, a fake horse, a, a, mag, a, a magical spiritual horse of mythology, was going back into the sea because couldn't the the old. The granddad, what's his name? Is he just called Grandpapa or something? Yes, yeah. granddad. Grandfather. Oh yes, yeah. So grandfather of these, this family of well, the two sons and, and the no, his son and his and the, his son's two sons, grandchildren, if you will. Uh, they they are told a story about like one of those campfire stories about some Irish mythology about they call the horse. Oh, was it fuck? It's fucking Nook of the North or something. T- was it Tear and a Nog? Well, how are we saying it? Both of you said it differently, then, right? Abby. Tear and a Nog. Anthony. Tear and a Nog. Uh, nog, because they—I I swear those kids call it different things at different times. They call each other weird names anyway, but they definitely call that horse like. Well, I'm looking at it, and there's a weird capitalized Irish O. Which I'm sure has some weird pronunciation on it. Yeah. Well, we, you know, whatever the t- the tear the horse is it's named after the underworld, I think. Right. He had a whole mythology story about um, fuck. It was a really stupid. All mythology stories are pretty dumb, but this was really like oh, what are we talking about. There's some sort of Dorian Gray figure who's fucking super handsome, right? And he's so handsome, he lives forever because he's too beautiful. And then some mysterious woman takes him away to some other realm. I think I'm trying to remember. And 
they can live they live happily there for thousands of years but he gets homesick because he was a traveler and he want, he wants to go back to where he's from and, and see how it's going on and she's like you can't you dickhead uh, unless I give you a special horse possibly a horse from the sea or a spirit horse a sea spirit horse thing that you could travel on but don't come off the horse because you'll wither and die <laughs> Uh, and then for some reason he goes back to his old country and has a look and he's like oh it's a bit shitter and some guys are trying to push a stone bollocks I fell off my horse and became a withered old pile of dust <laughs> and that's the story they, well that's me paraphrasing a terrible story <laughs> terribly but you know they get told that story so the, the horse is named then, therefore after this figure this horse figure and it for them, it symbolises their mum, right? It's their their mum has died in the childbirth yeah. of the younger boy, mm-hmm. and this horse, for some reason, is rather tame around the youngest boy as well. Which is was it Yoshan? Your what's his name? Fucking, it's not Yoshan. Ozzy. Ozzy, is it? Yes. So he's. Uh, he has the way. What's he? What's he say? What's the dad say? Or the the, the horse comes into their like, uh, the, ca- not council estate. Well, like the the tower blocks are on. There's a bit of wasteland next to the tower blocks with it, where some of the people live, right? Mm-hmm. And the horse comes there, and they're like, "Oh fuck! This is a cool white horse that you know doesn't belong to anyone." And the dad's with his like leather jacket and his fag can't seem to get the horse to calm down, but the little boy can just hop on and fine, right? He's got, oh, he's got... that leather jacket, though. <laughs> Sorry. It's alright, no. We should talk about the fashion. Do you guys, what do you guys make of the fucking nonsense clothes they're wearing? I appreciate its colour. Because otherwise it would have been very green and grey everywhere. Just been leisure wear, probably, based on the time period it was set in. The 90s were a colourful time for clothing. But not these clothes. These are like... Uh, <laughs> Fucking Narnia clothes where he's like giant <laughs> buttons and patchwork jumpers and like oversized tramp clothes. <laughs> and the dad, the dad's in like a battered leather jacket, like an old school. So battered. Yeah, so old school and alcoholic-y. And he's wrapped up in that and he's got his like battered trilby. And the little boy, the taller, the older boy, uh, Tato or T- Tito or whatever. He has a, a similarly, uh, almost comically battered trilby or pork pie hat, right? And they, yes. they just look false. They look like storybook, uh, tr- like wandering hobo children. <laughs> Maybe that's the vibe. They want to go for a more, like, a free of the time period look to these little boys. I don't know. Fuck, man, they look stupid. They're the oversized jumper with the mega buttons. Silly. Uh, who else? And then pretty everyone else is fairly normal. Just, like, normal, poor family clothes, isn't it? You think so? Nobody else stuck out to me particularly. No. <laughs> anyway, the, this horse rocks up in a council flats area or whatever, tower block. Wasteland, like a wasteland where the travelling set. No, I know. There's because there's the travellers, right? The granddad and he has associates, and they have family members. They they, you know, they live in various bits of wherever they want, as is the the sort of the thing. But there's also 
a caravan on this wasteland where they're claiming benefits. Like, there's a pair of parents who claim about 15 to 14 kids worth of people on this wasteland for the benefits guy. What was, do you guys want to talk about that scene? Oh, the good old days. Remember the hoops we used to jump through? <laughs> Why couldn't it just be, like, some guy turns up, asks you two questions, and, like, yeah, sure, here's, here's, here's a slip for lots of money. <laughs> yeah. well, we'll find you in a wasteland in a caravan. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. I mean, I'll, I'll happily claim 14 kids, all called Murphy. Yeah, he seems to accept that because there's 14 kids there, and they all are claimed to these people. That's fine. Just sign here. Send you some money. What? Uh... I suppose that's a difficult one to get around because he did see fourteen children. He can't dispute that there were fourteen children present. There's a lot of comedy of uh, the parent, the so-called parents, not knowing their children's names or their, their genders or how many exactly there are. And they had that joke that was a bit annoying with the little boy being like, whatever, when the man asks, if the man asks you your name, your name's Murphy. And then it's like, what's your name, boy? Murphy. Yes, what's your Christian name? Um, look around. Uh, Mr. Mr. Murphy. Ha <laughs> Let's get away with a crime. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's a, for me, the film is setting up a stall of, uh, I don't know, you meant to not feel sympathy, because these are, oh, he's just scrounging, like, this is a, this is a, like, the dad is at least a reprobate, because he's an alcoholic, he's not looking after his kids, and they're claiming false benefits, and it sort of goes with the territory of what people assume about travellers and so forth, that they're no good, but yet the granddad is like, against them you shouldn't be tied to I don't know, a flat and you shouldn't stay in one place for too long because we're meant to I don't know sleep in Tesco car parks in a caravan from time to time or whatever or on derelict farmland or who knows um so there's I do, are we meant to feel I I think we're meant to feel sympathy but also like oh it's a bad situation for kids to grow up in right hmm I feel... don't know what they was. I was supposed to be feeling at any point. What did you feel? Not just bored now, Abby. What did you? Did you <laughs> feel any emotional investment? There, you... there were bad decisions made most of the time by almost everyone involved. That's fair. Yeah, it's just like those people who were claiming benefits for fourteen kids. Where it's like, well, that's a bad idea. Just because you keep that, you gotta keep saying you have fourteen children. And you keep having to prove it, and that just seems... Well, did, it was very easy, as Anthony was suggesting. It was surprisingly... <laughs> surprisingly, like... Uh, un... There wasn't as much scrutiny, I guess, as the... Now you'd think you'd have to provide, like, a, a more realistic shelter. I mean, they had a caravan, but they weren't fitting 14 kids in there. They were literally on a horrible piece of wasteland <laughs> as well, so... Anyway... The dad wants to stay in the flat because he can get benefits and money and can continue his alcoholism and sad life of mourning his uh, dead wife. And the boys have a roof over their heads and a shit TV. And so, you know, it's the better option than, I guess, just wandering around like a traveller with his dad. Uh, also, the kids are supposed to be in school, even if they, you know, they've been missing it. So, in a sense, you know, he's doing what's right for them, but he's not 
being a good dad. Um, because he mainly lies down and drinks. Oh, and he also taps dents out of a car that, for someone, has got some shitty car that he wants fixed. And he's taken a, either one to two weeks to tap dents out of. That's what the dad does. I guess you call it a mechanic. <laughs> but uh, it didn't look like any normal bodywork I've seen. <laughs> What's the name of this guy? He's always miserable in anything I've ever seen him in. What's the actor? Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne, yeah. He was in, what was he in that he's done? Fucking... Uh, his most famous thing is probably the Usual Suspects. Yeah, do you know what? I'm confusing him with someone else. It, it is Usual Suspects. Who's the guy from The Crying Game who's never smiled in his life? Oh, Stephen Rea. Yeah. Stephen Rea, I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the dad and his boys are trying to keep the horse in a flat. Does it go That well? That is where... I first became derailed from the experience. <laughs> the fact that anybody thought it was a good idea. Anyone in a mile radius of them thinking that it's okay for them to give a horse in a flat. Well, I mean, it was the children's idea. And I think the father was more, couldn't be bothered to deal with it. <laughs> rather than anyone thinking it was a good idea, but two small boys. <laughs> People who live in tenements famously love their neighbours as well. <laughs> Anyone breaking a rule is more than welcome <laughs> to do so. I just it's a it's part of the comedy, it's part of the laugh, isn't it? These these little uh tinkers have got a horse and they're flat and they're trying to carry on as if it's normal and hope they're washing and scrubbing it and taking care of this lovely horse and it's making their lives a joy. But oh the police are gonna come and shoot it in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, I'll be mean, fair enough, you would probably, like, you can't keep a fucking horse in a flat, guys. The Someone, animal cruelty going to be called in and fucking, you know, it should be a palaver and the cops are called in. And it's meant to be, it's meant to be charming, I think. Do you guys not find it charming, Abby? Nope. <laughs> no, it uh, goes against, goes against all I stand for as a, <laughs> as a good tenant. <laughs> Like, I, I, I think I, I kind of see where you're coming from, because for the most part, at the beginning, it's played like a fairly straight, realistic drama mm. with a bit of romanticism in it. And then it, it, you know, slowly becomes more magical realism, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, so it might, it might be quite hard to accept some things at the beginning. And then once you realise, it's like, oh, you know, this horse has to be magical. Well, sorry, at the start, it's not even the magical aspect. There's no magic at the start. It's just a fucking horse in a flat. There's yeah. a problem. And then the police are called in and they're fucking ham-fisted about it. So, Brennan Gleeson turns up. He's the sort of uh, fat-headed, corrupt cop who's in charge of this particular situation. And he's got his guys. He's got a guy with a rifle and a, a huge team of police are all marching into this flat. And they literally kick the bottom of the fucking door in. I think they. I think I know. I think was, they do that later on when they're after the, just the dad when the horse has been stolen back or whatever. But they 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 sort of stupidly trying to get a wild animal out the flat and down the stairs with too many people. It's the old too many chefs problem. And of course, the little boy who's got the gift of I don't know riding the fucking horse and it liking it. He corkses the horse down, isn't it, before it gets upset again because uh, in the street and does it run off? No, they manage to, the cops get a hold of it and get it in the back of a van, don't they? 
but not without a, a lot of trauma for the children and danger for everyone and horses kicking oars in walls, you know? Well, so yeah, they, 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 they bloody storm in and have, like, guns ready to, like, just kill the horse. But then the boy's like, no, I, I can calm him down and bring him out. It's fine. Do you want to fucking chill out a minute, you dickheads? <laughs> have a brain. <laughs> even if, even if, honestly, the, the, the people washing a horse in a shower are the ones who are more sensible about this. But, you know, the kids are upset. The dad wants to get the horse back. And I think... He, yeah, he bundles a bunch of money together and he's like, you know, because this horse means something to his sons, uh, he's at least willing to pay for it to get it back and he goes to the police station and uh, what do you know, it's been sold how could it be sold? I don't know I don't know the ins and outs so... It was sold illegally, it was yes. one of the points that came up later. Yeah, they had, they had to at least have it signed, you know it was not legitimately sold, it was sold to some uh, rich, tough guy who wanted to put it into a show jumping, right? Oh, because the, the, one of the ways the the kid impresses and terrifies his granddad is he jumps the the fire on the wasteland uh, on the back of the horse, apropos of nothing. And uh, it's like, oh, this is a good, you know, it's a really shallow shit low fire. And it jumps it easily and with hardly any danger. And so it's a perfect show jumping horse. And so it's been bought, it's been bought, right? And, it, and the, they can't, and unfortunately, because of corruption, uh, there's you know, he's basically truncheoned out of the police station, is he? Or scared out and told to get going. And that the yeah, he's, ch- he's chased away. Unfairly. So we should be starting to come round for, even though if we think this guy's a reprobate, he's done the right thing and tried to legitimately get his horse paid for. You know, are you sympathy? You must symp- have some, some sympathy here, Abby. I, I do intellectually agree that his horse was illegally sold and that he should have been able to buy it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the best I'm going to get out of Abby, I think. Uh, anyway, what else happens, Anthony? How do we uh, get from oh no, we haven't got a horse, let's all stay in school and get the TV confiscated uh, and work. They work, they do, I don't know, they don't initially get the horse back, do they? What happens? They, they at, at some point they spot the horse on on the TV. Oh, they're in I like a they're... news agent or something, are they? Yeah, they're in a video store, I think. Yeah. Ah. And uh, they spot it on the TV, and then they pretty much immediately manage to steal it somehow. <laughs> it's quite inexplicable. Yeah, because it, it doesn't even we don't see the the theft until I think it jumped. It's like, oh look. Tato, uh, the horse, it's our horse is on the show jump. I don't know, it's been a few days, maybe, but the horse has not only been sold, taken by the police, instantly sold to a rich person, the rich person has made it into a show jumper, which it's already successfully doing in a tournament that's aired on TV, and the boys spot it, and it's like, that's our horse, jump cut to the dad being woken up by the police, saying, look, here's your kids on TV stealing a horse. And we get some, like, uh, slightly bad footage that shows the boys uh, they could call the horse at the show jumping and then are riding the horse. That's the extent of their breakout is they they are on the horse and run away. I mean, could we have included how that fucking worked? (laughs) How they managed to pull off the heist of a lifetime with this horse is everywhere, there's obviously gates and barriers, they presumably needed tickets to be, I mean they're small, maybe they snuck in, you know, like 
this is a quite a dramatic thing. This could have been a proper like ten minutes of the film, right? Stealing a horseback. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was quite disappointed when it wasn't. It's more about hauling the dad down to the police station and showing him their kids are on the run. And making him go sober up a bit and go, do you know what, I just need to fucking get, get what I need to do is get with my traveller family and uh, talk to my dad and get my head right because I need to get my boys back and I'm going to use my travelling friends and family to do the old, fa- find them the old fashioned way by travelling the countryside on horseback following the trail and you know cowboy shit but in Ireland isn't it I like that in principle because it's like well you use a find, you use a horse to find a horse that makes perfect sense to me it's like you know police cars aren't going to be able to go where a fucking horse can go you just ask around in the local horse bar and say have you guys seen this horse and then they tell you or don't so our boys, they're on the run. It's a bit like uh, Goodbye Pork Pie at some point, so especially when they started to consider taking a train while they're on the run. I was like, oh god, we've got a guy in a pork pie hat. They're having a wacky adventure, travelling instead of with a mini, but they got a horse. And it didn't quite go that way. But uh, I think know. that might be one of the problems with the film is, while, while whilst it's okay and it, it does have its charm, like other films have done this better. Mm. Ridden horses across the country. Well, you know, like you know, the, the 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 kids going out on their own and being pursued by like their parents or guardians or police or whatever. Yeah, sure. Well, and they... then the kind of that kind of, kind of the, the hijinks of the road movie, essentially. Yeah, because there's not a whole heap of laughs, you know. We got the odd iconic bit of imagery, like staying in the cinema and uh, going through a house and things like that. You know, there's the odd imagery that's like, oh, that's a bit of fun. Um, but it is mostly just some kids travelling through fields and urban environments on a horse and talking to each other and being hungry. <laughs> and uh, and then the dad and his uh, family trying to figure out where they are. And the police. Oh, so it does go really uh, good by pork pie when they end up on the train as well. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's like I almost thought if they'd have proper. Because they don't go on the train. They Like the train goes and then it turns out the, the little kid got the horse off to wait for his brother and stuff. Somehow. Yeah, don't worry. It's a magical it. horse. It's fine. It teleported out. Just yeah. respawned it. Lit a campfire and was slightly somewhere else on the map. Um, <laughs> So what's, let's talk about some of the perils of their journey, and then we'll talk a little bit about what was happening with the adults who are trying to capture them, whether it's the police or the toffs. Anything stand out for you, Abby, the things that happened to them on the road? Um, I'm struggling to remember what order they were, but like they find their mum's grave oh, that's at the one last point. Thing. And that's when the kid finds out that his mother died giving birth to him. There was... He has no, he has no pictures in his head. I don't remember, Mammy. There's <laughs> no pictures of her. I'm so melancholy and sad. And the, the old traveller camp where their dad was from. It led to there, I think. Well, the dad went to that one, right? It, no, but as part oh, of the trailing the, the where, horse. Where the like. 
the ruins, you mean, or something? Was there the ruins where her grave was? I don't know why her grave was there. Right? Is that there was like a bit of a ruin and a grave, and obviously, but it, it, it was a childbirth that dramatic? They burnt a house down, or get out? No, no, no. The caravan was still with the old. Oh right, her caravan, and he had like he had like a fire or something, didn't he? Like a kind of ritualistic. I'm going to deal with the. Well, death of my the death of my wife seven years after the fact by burning a caravan was is that what you mean? Mm. And then her grave was somewhere separate, presumably just wherever they were when she died. Just chip a name into a rock and call it on the middle of a mountain giving birth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why she was. <laughs> oh, she was in a caravan, so probably so. Yeah, it was possible. Yeah. And that's probably why she died because we're in a fucking hospital, like <laughs> sensible person. No, that's fine. Do as you want. Um, do the I think the relationship that boys have with each other. Uh, the act. I mean, you know, we we like the kid actors. I think they're all right. It's nice that they seem to have vaguely authentic accents. It's not like oh, some like clanging accents. I think they're reasonable. Not like bedknobs and broomsticks. You mean? Yeah, that, that would be. <laughs> I like that film, but it is a good example of uh, how to not do. <laughs> Accents well, I don't know. I don't. Do you like Anthony? Are these kids? Uh, you, you you think they do a good job? I yeah, I do actually. Uh, I think they had like a good like dynamic together. I liked the way that they were. How do I put it? Like they they actually did feel like brothers. You know, um, they had a chemistry with each other, didn't they? Yeah, and I, I kind of like the relationship that the that they take on because like the older one essentially becomes more responsible and he has to answer all of his questions, but he's still getting annoyed because he's his brother. Yeah, and he doesn't want to ask answer questions about his his mother or anything like that. Yeah, because you know it must be upsetting for him because he remembers his mum, and yeah, like you say, it's that like why 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 this why that, and he's like oh fucking old kid fuck you. But I thought they did, you know, I I thought it was one of the attributes was these kids weren't too bad at acting and like the older one hmm. was occasionally looked like he was trying to remember all of the lines, but uh, you know hardly ever. It was pretty good, and I, I, the younger one could have been very annoying. So I think he put it the right side of charming, but not uh, not the like I don't know. I don't want to be too critical of them. I thought, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, and and their side doesn't. And their side doesn't fall into too much of like the romanticism that's going on, which definitely happens in like the father's side when you know he, he turns back up, and they're like, "Oh, you need to return to the travelers, and you need to mourn your wife, and stuff like that." Yeah, though they're in peril, it's it, they're like it's the fun side where at first they're like surprised to have been on TV and be actually they're like thrilled to be wanted. Uh, because that makes them like cowboys and they're like jumping for joy and loving it and uh, it feels like they're on a sort of western adventure in Left from like a cowboy movie so they're into that and they 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 have more fun don't they like going to the cinema they sort of later on in the story they I don't understand this there's a Savoy cinema that's not open but it has access to them a horse and two boys can let themselves in help themselves to popcorn and what is called cola, but is clearly green slushy liquid. <laughs> no, one of, them, one of them sneaks in while it's open and stays behind. Oh, right. 
when it's closed, and then he lets the other two, well, the the, the kid and the horse back in when everyone's gone. And start munching on popcorn and somehow figure out how to project a movie. Uh, <laughs> which was Back to the Future 3, right? That's what they're watching. Yes. With their horse in the cinema. That's a fun, fun jape. Uh, imagine that. What a lovely afternoon. And also they get to eat, thank God. Because they'd be living off of like a few chocolate bars and like um, bread they're given from the breakfast table of a house they wander through. Which is yeah. kind of weird. I did like the choice w- of Back to the Future 3. Because it's like, well, obviously, they, they have to have something current. And unless you want to have them watching, like, I don't know, Forgiven or Dances yeah. with Wolves, you couldn't really have them mo- watching a modern uh, Western thing on there. But then it's uh, but then it's also cool because it's it's not a real Western, much like this film isn't a real Western yeah, either. Yeah, you know? mix of the modern and the old. And also, I think we saw Budge Cassidy... On TV in their house at some point yes. as well. I want to give credit to the one joke I liked, and that was when they were on the horse going through the living room and went, Can we have some food? And they gave them some food. <laughs> I liked that joke. Okay, I liked one joke. <laughs> For dramatic purposes, it worked as well because they're sort of surrounded, the police have got them in a street uh, in, in an urban environment, and there's like a lot of cops, and the boys are there, they're pretty much done. And then they pop into a house, and, and Brendan Brendan Gleeson and the lads are like, "What the f- shit? <laughs> um, we all have to swarm into this house now." I guess they pop in, lock the door behind them, and then have a very obliging family, who you know are not expecting a horse. Then there's a horse, and they're like, "Quick, let us through before the horse kicks everyone to death or whatever." And they're like, "Oh, I'll also can we have some breakfast?" And it's like, "Yeah, cool. You would. You're like, just get out and have some of our lumps of bread." Why? <laughs> But that's the thing, they were sort of folk heroes by that point. Because their story's been on the news, and uh, it's remarkable they haven't been caught, I guess. Um, especially today, you know, in the 90s, right? With helicopters and stuff, it should be relatively routine. I guess the th- the way they get away all the time is, uh, you know, going through forests and staying off, being in unusual places and, you know, hiding. And I, they also, the, the woman who's dragged into things... With the dad and uh, Colin Meany, is it? <laughs> like, she's tracking them and, and is admiring their gift of... They haven't forgotten the old ways, like they know how to hide the campfire under grass or something. It's like an example of, I guess, how travellers hide their tracks. And so the boys are sort of using their ancestral <laughs> instincts, all what they've learned from their granddad or something to be a little bit better at avoiding capture. I mean, talking about it is better than watching it, to be honest. I'm thinking, like, <laughs> oh, the film was trying, it's just uh, I wasn't in the mood for it, you know? Yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up so much of the, the Western things going on until we started talking about it. Yeah, it's to me as well, it's a little bit stupid because what are you talking... Like, maybe it's because Wales is it's full of, like, living in Wales, we have countryside everywhere, but it's all, like, people's land and hedged off. And you can go... It's like, the way you travel through the countryside is on roads. There's no travelling just across the flat land. Maybe in, like, certain bits of Wales or, like, Scotland and obviously Ireland. But, like, 
I don't. There's not like a clear path anywhere. You can't just ride through meadows for it. It's like a pain in the ass. There's like everything bits, everything's hedged and fenced off. There's no fucking just run across the open countryside. And I, like that's meant to be the the last the dwindling bits of rural Ireland can have a horse and some boys running through it. Admittedly, they go through lots of urban areas, but like it's sort of this the. 1800s the death of the west vibe that westerns often tell the story of the dwindling free uh west where there's less law and order and more space to live isn't it it's trying mm. to be a parallel and also that, that those stories always end in and then the trains came when we were dead and every the, no one was free anymore and native americans were squished into corners and fuck you <laughs> like you know so also i guess the the traveling community uh, sort of parallel that of Native Americans right there, like the Native Irish in this, I suppose. Also treated horribly with racism. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Definitely a lot of... uh trying to say something. It's just doing it in a slightly hokey kid's way. What else happened to these knobheads? I think the kid has to go buy some... They have some money on them, I guess. So they buy some chocolate bar supplies. What else does he buy? He tries to steal slash... Admit he has a newspaper. Yeah, they buy some beans. He tries to. I don't know if he's trying to steal it or just trying to hide it because he notices like they're on the front cover. Yeah, but he's only hiding one. So and he pays for it. I don't know. It's. But it is like it's just uh, the they do have a moment of topping up supplies and like it's just fucking beans and chocolate. I mean, I guess they're really young boys. So what else could they're not going to buy? Can't buy a microwave meal or whatever. Can they? Stuff you can it makes eat sense. on the road. I mean, they are, you know, they're children, so they want chocolate, but they also, you know, think they're cowboys, so they want beans, which are the the typical food of cowboys. Yeah, they avoided any uh, farting at the campfire jokes I would have expected from kids camping out and eating beans. <laughs> they have the odd tender moments. <laughs> Something because the beans explode themselves. Well, like in the fire when they're cooking them, you mean? Mm. Mm. Could have happened. Could have had shrapnel in the eye. That would have been a good trauma. Because <laughs> like the beans go all over them, and they should be searing hot. If it's so hot that it exploded, <laughs> they should have like three hundred degree burns or something. Yeah. Yeah, I was disappointed by that. Well, <laughs> I'm dead. Me, Navi. Not dead. But this a magic horse. I couldn't it's care. Fine. Magic horse. <laughs> crucially, not magic beans. Yeah. The, I don't know. I, I want to cut it some slack because I think the kids had genuine tender moments along the road. They mm. don't do anything too mad and ridiculous, but it is they get up to enough. But like the cinema thing was annoying at the time because like oh fuck off. How are you? I mean you explained it and that made more sense of it. But it's like what are we t-? and also the fact that they switch the lights off conveniently when the police are looking for them, so no one thinks to look in the cinema. Not that you would like, but um. Yeah, they they have some fun, and then we we intercut it with uh, harrowing tales of grief, like the dad smearing ash from a fire in his face and saying, "Am I grieving enough now? Am I cry? Have I?" You know, he's like getting all cross with the whoever the travellers he's with at the time are in a council estate back alley, just getting all cross with his dad about the fact that he's become a sad alcoholic who lives in a flat now. Uh, now that his wife's dead, and then oh, there's that there's a bit where Co- Colin Meany and his caravan site come into it, don't they? So 
he there's a caravan site. He meets up looking for help to find his boys because he needs company on the road or help or you know people who know how to track horses or something. And so Colin Meany's family's campsite. He goes there and he's like, "Hey, what's the crag?" And but they spend the evening drinking and dancing. And then the cops turn up and like, Brendan Gleeson gets to be like, "You are dancing like a drunken, like a really aggressive, angry man, uh, and a, and a joyfully angry." And a giddy a dancing to traditional Irish music, I think, uh, around a campfire, and your kids are loose with a horse. Is this appropriate behaviour? Is it? What do you guys make? Was this uh, him getting back in tune with his roots and being caught at an awkward moment, or was it like a weird faux pas on the butt half of the dad? Well, they, you know, they kind of like establish they they have their own traditions and ways of living it, it was weirdly aggressive the way he was done <laughs> it's the grief the grief coming out of his feet as he joyfully crushes the ground beneath him and is that proper like punk rock dancing around the fire you know, like almost I think that's like what a... they were going for kind of a release of the emotions he's kind of built up yeah, it. he's been repressed for so long sure We'll go with it. We'll cut it some slack again, then. Say, like, you know, don't... I think I'd be bereft of my son. I mean, you know, I'd be like, let's not fuck around. We're not in the mood for dancing. Let's... Can we, you know, we, maybe we can't find them at night, but we should probably... I don't know, like, a, a urgency. A, there should have been an urgency to fight them. I guess, whatever. How far can two kids on a horse get in the meantime? Mm. It's time for a dance. What's the... Go on. I was just going to say, I just remembered they keep referring to him as the King of the Travellers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the racism is definitely something the film wants to deal with because uh, the cops are jerks. and I think still to this day uh, travellers are just disliked by a lot of people wrongly and right... Not, not, not rightly. Well, you know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those groups of people who, even when hot people are horrible to them, most people are like, yeah, oh, fair enough. <laughs> like it's one of the like least defended groups of people who who get racism, if you know what I mean. Like mm. no one's very quick to jump to the defence of of travellers, and there's a lot of like political headway to be gained by blaming them on everything. They've famously been blamed by newspapers on everything. For, for you know, for any community with them in, seems to be like, oh, they can't be uh, my land. Don't stay here. They're awful. They're criminals. So they, and they deal with a heap of racism, and then obviously in this case, it's Irish people being uh, racist towards them, whether it's the police or that one chippy. Where <laughs> it's unbelievable how fucking awful they're being. Like, even if you're a bit drunk at the chip shop, and some people come in with blankets, and they maybe had horses, you wouldn't like instantly jump in, like with racial abuse and bringing up stereotypical nonsense to shout at them. And they're just minding their business, and the guy at the chip shop's like, "Hey, now everyone, let's just chill out." But I'm not. I'm not going to tell these racists to get my out of my chip shop. I'm just going to hope it calms down. What do you guys make of the uh, chip shop scene? It's just a lot, very suddenly, and I don't know. It it just seemed very 
you don't see proactive racism very often in a casual setting. No, in like a period drama with like slavery or something, you'd expect this kind of, you know, a real, you know, you do get that kind of reaction in films, but just like you've just walked into a chip shop and maybe you're on the, it's on the news, so people have thought about it, and it, but it is just like, okay, fuck, dude, that's, you're coming in hard. They haven't, they haven't done anything. <laughs> they haven't even like upset you by having a horse in your parking spot or not. You haven't done anything. And they don't even look different to anyone. It's not like, oh, they have blankets on and one has a cowboy hat, but it's like what it's just fuck, dude. Like he comes in the three and he's like shoving his mate to like oh, they're like making all kinds of crass remarks about the woman and stuff. And then just as it's about to come to blows, we jump cut to him waking up from a nightmare with his like him and his uh Colin Meany and, and the woman who it just goes instead of coming to blows they've been asleep and he's had a nightmare about his kids being stolen and you're like his kids are going to get taken away by the authorities but I don't know why we'd build but up did it attention. actually happen because now that you mention it you're right he'd, he'd just wake up from a dream and it's like did he just dream all that the guy in the chip shop didn't want to take his kids away the guy was just horrible and he had dickhead friends and they were a bit drunk or something it was, just, it was just, I get, the film would often cut away where we haven't got any more footage, so fuck it. That, we're just moving on. Like, Yeah, I think that's the problem, is just, like, what exactly did that scene achieve? Yeah. And you go, yeah, okay, some sympathy, good. I mean, those that was awful. And, like, those situations can happen. Chip shops are often where people come to blows for, just because it's late at night or something and people are drunk. But, like, it didn't lead. It wasn't like all of the townspeople were against them then. They didn't have. Yeah, it didn't. You know, didn't go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And then it was just like, don't worry, we'll carry on looking for your boys. They'll be all right. And it's like, yeah, they they were more or less. Like the main problem is the uh, authorities, right? So like the cops are corrupt, and after the boys with you know, and the toffs like are there's like for some reason the guy who's got this racehorse uh, by illicit means is really into getting it back. I mean, he, he doesn't want to look humili- humiliated, I guess. But we cut to him, like, on the phone demanding helicopters go up, even though the storm's coming in, and he's he's really after them, and I, I don't know if it's his hunting party that are after the boys, or what. I think they just wander into that. I don't think that's related to anything. So instinctively, some boys on a horse come onto a hunting ground, and hmm. the toffs are like, we'll hunt them now. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think they were hunting them, I th- because they they do show that the the dogs are still going for the fox, which just happens to be where they are. Oh, so it's a bit of incidental peril, is it? Yeah. Okay, but the guy is funding, like you know, the guy is really Toff who bought the the horse is well into getting his horse back. I, to me, it seems like are we paying for helicopters to go up? That seems like a waste of money. <laughs> Well, if if the horse is as good as they think it is, well, it's then it's probably worth a lot of money in uh, in prize winnings. Yeah, because he's claiming it was a, like uh, his own thoroughbred horse. Yeah, and stuff. He's trying to. So yeah, but but we don't establish very much other than it's sorry right, show jumping. All right, <laughs> fuck, just chill out, dude. You stole it. This is all gonna. It's all too big a news story now. You're not gonna get away with it. I don't know. I don't know. He has. He just think he's got the police in his pocket. He also sends. Bre- he's like. He's because he knows Brendan Gleeson is corrupt. He sort of 
tells him to keep it coming as if he's going to come into more <laughs> like keep exploiting the traveler people for their horses that they like what does he what does he want brendan like other than getting the horse off the cops for i don't know cheaper or with off the books or something he seems to want brendan gleason to do more but just in a like, corrupt cop way <laughs> just do something keep it keep up the corruptness for for me there's more money to be made in you somehow we needed a villain. <laughs> and then there's is there someone in charge of Brennan Gleeson who's a bit more sensible about it? Is he got like a his boss is a bit more the fuck are you doing? Yeah, they do have like the the chief who just kind of like he's only in briefly in like three scenes. I think he stops the interrogation. It's what's his face? Uh Bishop Brennan from Father Ted, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he does that, he stops it. Um I, I think he questions uh, like a statement they made him sign. Yeah. And then just kind of turns up at the end and goes like, nah, I'll just leave him alone. Basically, he's there to call off the, the crap cops who might start truncheoning. Well, they capture, the, capture them in net today at the end, which is pretty <laughs> recently. <laughs> oh, catch the travellers in the nets and make them go, ooh, I'm in a net, help me, we'll fight them off. No, I'm in a net like a trapped fish, I can't get out. And then he hulks to try and save his boy while screaming incoherently, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, it turns out I can get the net off me, but not before the horse gets scared and runs into the sea with my son on his back and uh, endangers it and himself and ultimately drowns the kid and and himself. And then, does the dad have to go in and the dad is the one to pull out the kid, right? Yes. And there's a bit of a dream-like mythology bit where the horse starts to resemble these imagery of like a woman's hair or something to resemble the horse's hair is it mm. it's like a sort of mermaidy mum spirit vibe in the sea that reaches out and helps rescue the kid or something right yes what do we make of this thing with a sort of confirmation of this is the mum spirit animal or whatever it is I mean the confirmation was when they turn up at the mum's grave for me it's like that's too much of a coincidence for it not to be a, a magical horse. See, as a as a pessimist, not a pessimist, as a skeptic, I would say just because a horse has led you to a grave, coincidence, yes, doesn't prove magic. It it does seem odd. The fact that the horse won't turn around, like so, the boys are in charge of the horse until they're like, oh, I'm tired. We'll be we'll be cowboys tomorrow. I'm hungry, even though we just had some bread. Chill out, kid. But like, I keep like a bit wary of running away, and then all right, let's go back. And then the horse is like, bap bap bap. I've got my own grave to visit, and you can feel sad about your mum more specifically than you have already. <laughs> so that is, you know, it's weird, but it doesn't. It's only really. I would say it's not confirmation. It's weird, and it suggests something's up. But you know, you could put that down to just. Uh, Horse instincts. I don't know. Horse to <laughs> know about graves and shit. Does it? No. Maybe, maybe. It's no, because it wasn't a just uh, we're walking past and oh look, there's our mother's grave. The horse does a thing and then runs off and they're chasing it and it stops at the grave. Two clumps for mum's dead. One clump for she'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a magic horse. Yeah, but it is like. 
you know, obviously at the end when it goes into the sea, it's sad if it drowned, but it, it, there's a suggestion of it's gone, it's disappeared into the ocean because it was a spirit water horse, whatever. And it, it it's sort of symbolic of uh, coming to the mum, saving them or bringing... I don't know, what's the mum's plan here? She's dead seven years. She sees her husband is... Or ex-husband... No, her widowed husband is fucking up his life and has stopped being a traveller. So, I, with the powers of uh, mytho- mythological island magic, will send a horse to guide my boys. Uh, briefly getting caught up in show jumping, but they'll, you know, they'll eventually get to my grave and then the three of them, the dad and the kids, will all be a little bit closer to each other and a bit more in touch with their travelling side and will remember me and get over their grief a bit more. Is that the plan? Is that the idea? I guess. So a motivation from up in heaven or wherever. Pretty, pretty weird system. I don't know, there's a lot of stuff with spirituality that's like, it's a bit vague for my liking. <laughs> what, are we, what are we actually saying? Don't worry about what we're actually saying. I think that's the, that's the thing with, with fortune telling and um, spirituality, is it's like, don't pin me down on nothing. It's just vague shit. Spirits and feelings and vibes and uh, a sense of destiny or something. It's like, oh, is there... Okay. Well, the alternative is the horse drowns at the end, so... Who <laughs> <Well>, bleak? <laughs> if it's not a magic horse. As, as a, you know, the other way to see it is like a, the, someone in the EDL would see it and like these awful, I won't even say, like these awful travellers have a criminal benefits fraud that st- wrongly steal a horse and trample across private land and then fucking get away with it because of PC gone mad. These, these people don't deserve nothing. They're charlatans and thieves. And they squatters. And I don't like, you know, you, <laughs> these criminals they are. Outlaws and should be rightly prosecuted. But unfortunately, uh, fucking... <laughs> the guy, the the bishop, Bishop Brennan from Father Ted, is there to kick everyone, all the cops up the arse and say no, we're letting them off, get them out of the nets, <laughs> let them go free. <laughs> let the, and then the kids are like promising, Dad, we don't want, we want to keep the horse, and also before it was dead, they want to keep the horse, and we don't want to go back to the tower block. And then I, what do they do? They guess they go live with their granddad in a bunch of fields across Ireland or something, on the beaches. That the happy ending, they're all going to go back to a life of being travellers, and do they still have to go to school? How's that work? As far as I know, travelling families do send their kids to school usually, unless Mm. they're homeschooled. I guess if you're in the catchment area. Would you you like to change catchment area because of your travelling ways? It's all a bit vague, isn't it? Mm. Mm. The guy with the the little... um, stapled pieces of paper is going to have a right nightmare figuring out who gets what benefits for, for like stuff. Where he, he's going to have to travel into the west himself and get them to go so how many kids have you got you've got two kids right what are they are they called Murphy now or no <laughs> let's just get it all actually we got some got some lawyers involved now that we found out you've committed fraud the horse thing may have gone away but you've been claiming false benefits 
So we're removing your kids for real. Like, I don't know that there's a happy ending here, in actual fact. You never do. It films with happy endings, if you really think about what's happened. Nine times out of ten, someone's going to fucking jail. Plus, how boring <laughs> would it be? If everyone lives happily ever after, that's a fucking long, tedious time. You need some jeopardy for excitement. What else? Are we miss anything crucial that happens on this journey? Because, you know, other than... Uh, what is the woman who joins Colin Meany? I don't actually know that. Was she just a cousin or something, or a love interest? I don't think they go as far as love interests. No, because he's grieving, right? Yeah. What, she's just... I, th- I think they were just like, you know what? No women in this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could do... There's one, like, woman in a, uh, a urban area who shouts to them when they're hiding under the bridge, I know who you are! And it's like, nice one, love, see you, kisses, bye. That's great. You know, like, they... You know, they're... They're few and far between, but then... Well, there's obviously, you know, but what... There's not that many characters to, to be doing anything. There's just people on the run and people looking for them. I mean, it doesn't need to be too complicated. They've already got a bloody horse running around. <laughs> the horse has the odd, slightly corny look. We look at the horse's eye as if we're meant to interpret the reaction of the horse, but I feel like the horse does take a backseat to the story. Like, a lot of horse movies... Though this is about the mythology of this horse and it's connected to the death of their mum, it it's really a people story. Whereas often the horse is the focus and is like a a bit. There's a bit more attention to the horse's personality, and this one's personality is just it is stubborn and mysterious. Like you know, I don't feel like the horse as a character because it's a stand-in for the mum, I guess. But it's not like the mum, we didn't see the mum in any of the story either, so. I don't know, maybe, maybe I haven't watched enough horse stories to know if the horse is always, like, playing second fiddle to the humans. What do you guys think? Was the was the horse a big enough deal in this? Yes and no. Like, it's in it throughout, but at the same time, it's so passive. For a creature that is leading you on a journey, it's very subdued. What do you think, Anthony? Does it matter? Is that not the key to the story? What do you think of uh, this one? Um, I, I see what Abby means. There's only like only like the jumping over the fire and like leading them to the grave, where it's really doing anything. To be honest with you, yeah, you're like when it goes into the sea, it could be that it's scared and it didn't mean to drown. Or it could be mm. that, it's, that this is part of its spiritual gateway to some bullshit. If it's more of a story of the boys, I think that that's where it's better. And uh, you know, obviously, you, you were saying the, when you were a kid, you relate to the little boy's story, and then now you might understand the dad's died a bit more. Do you think it's worth telling this story of a dad uh, trying to get but get back, realizing how important his sons are to him, and that he's been slacking off, and that he needs to be more active and get over his mourning and things like that. I mean, yes. Uh, like, his story was getting over the grief and, like, the... Obviously, the the catalyst for that is his boys going off, going missing, which makes him reevaluate everything and return to his roots, I suppose. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like every horse story has to have the same thing going on. They can all... It's just movies that feature horses heavily and uh, that seem to appeal to certain people. And I guess this one is probably one for fans of Irish mythology or traveller... Like, you can be into sort of traveller stories and things. And so often they're either villains or um, caricatures, aren't they? Um, Like, if it's a fantasy movie, they're often like stereotypical and they're often awful criminal characters in many movies aren't they and then this is sympathetic towards travelers isn't it for me this wasn't fantastical enough if your premise is you have a magical horse and you don't exploit that fairly consistently then you've dropped the ball in my opinion It was and... never going to be like the last unicorn or something, was it? It was going to have to stay <laughs> in reality a bit and be, you know. It was only right at the end, where the horse went into the water, changed into a woman, and then disappeared. So you actually had sort of a, a transparently magical moment, and the other stuff earlier on, as you were discussing, was ambiguous. And I think we could have done with more distinct moments, like something else with water. If, because horses have a long association with water in mythology. And, we weave in the mythology more, you think. And for the show jumping, it could jump very high. It was super athletic. But again, they didn't really exploit that at any point. We didn't see it that much either. We didn't get to know. We didn't see it in the stables being upset that it was there. We didn't. It just it got a jockey on it, and it was like that was fine. Like the kid had the gift of riding it, but then it can also be like with professional show jumpers, it's fine. Like the horse doesn't care that much. It didn't. It didn't try and escape. Like in a kind of Black Beauty, Free Willy type story where the kid has a bond with an animal. There's a sense that maybe the horse gives a shit, whereas the horse is like stolen and it doesn't try and do anything until it, they turn up. It just accepts its new life now. And if it's and like this see, free horse, then it kind of shouldn't it have tried more to get free? We, we could have done something with that story, perhaps. And if it is the spirit of their mum, surely she can come up with some ways to get out of this. Talk away out of the police box to the cops. Flash them some horse boob. Come on, guys. You want to ride a bareback horse, do you? Come on, let me free, and we'll have uh, have some fun in the meadows. Oh, maybe maybe this horse is right. I know in my version the horse can talk as well. That's that's what I would want, or at least imply stuff like in like it's a bit like the horse in Tangled. Don't talk, but it can imply a lot more. And this just cuts through its eyes. Like, oh, that means something, doesn't it? It's a really good example, actually. Well, it's not an animated movie, so no. But they did think about how the horse can interact and I know that there's some restrictions in a real life horse but I feel like they didn't even try you can have some fun like you can do some comedy and some emotional reactions more we can do more with a horse than just some kids are riding it and don't they look funny <laughs> like in the example I can think of is Cat Blue for example some of the stuff they get the horses to do in that it's very funny and really gives him a character. Yeah, I don't know. I it doesn't uh, it deliver a whole heap of excitement, and I, it's a bit corny for me, and a bit like um, it's not a subject matter, or it's not it's not something of interest to me. Notions of Irish myth- mythology like this, and 
I, you know, I it did well to get some sympathy towards these kids out of me, but I don't know how interested I am in this two boys getting back to their roots, the last hurrah of, you know, being able to run a run away across the land. I mean, uh, it's all so hokey. <laughs> I couldn't, I, you know, I'm too old and bitter and cynical to care about this kind of fluffy rubbish, unless it's <laughs> something like. Uh, the Secret Garden, then I'm like enchanted and oh, my heart. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I could change on a, on, a, on a dime as to whether I like this kind of mumsy crap or not. Um, so I don't know. I, I didn't didn't love it. Is there any other point Anthony, you wanted to bring up? Anything we've missed? Or are you happy, in fact? Um, I don't think so. Unless Abby's got a few more notes. No, not really, because it was just more the sort of overall vibe for me was just, like, wasted opportunity. So it's not that I, like, hated it. Like, I didn't hate it because some of the stuff it did was quite, like, well done. But they could have done so much more. Yeah, it's just not for me. That's all I think. It is a little. It could have been more engaging, more interesting, and I think I would have wanted like more to the payoff with the cops, more to do with the social, uh, like the father, the responsibility of the dad. About dad just turns up and finds him eventually, and even meets his dad because it's like, oh, how did you find it? like his dad turns up and it's like, well, I always go to the grave of your mum <laughs> when it's on her birthday. And you go, oh right, that's the relevance of this, is it? But we're all here now. Let's all have a big happy ending on the beach, even though the horse is dead. We'll all live happily as travellers ever after. It's kind of like, that's not the cops will go away. No jeopardy. Like, you know, it kind of dissipates and says, fuck it then. I think There's going to be like a media storm after all of this. Well, at least a couple of uh, newspaper pages dedicated to the. The, the story of the travellers and the horse, the boys that got away, and you know, there'll be it's a bit of a story, isn't it? Certainly in boring old Ireland, they'll love a story like this, but it's not all that, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I just think it's fine, it's, it's a charming little film. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's brilliant or anything, but hmm. uh, I think it's watchable. But for me, the highlights are just. Look at that horse in the cinema. Is it? It's a popcorn, and I like that's crap. I don't want to watch. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good enough. <laughs> I'm not entertained. Yeah, like I said, like other films have done it better, so I can't really argue with that. Sure, but yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. It was worth. It was worth uh, a chat. I think. I hope. Um, not much more to say. I don't think myself. So I guess that's just join us again for another film, another chat where we uh, hash out our feelings and thoughts on some lesser off the beaten track cinema out in the lesser stuff there, off the beaten track sure sure, anyway that have, uh, we don't want to be, like Anthony said we, we're more likely to do fucking uh, we're not doing Emperor uh, Empire Strikes Back How, when did that come out? that couldn't have been something you went to see in the they did a, I think they did like a re-release ah. in the 90s I was say, you'd have to have watched it in the 80s or something <laughs> before you were born. Um, but yeah, we were more, what was the dragon one? Dragonheart. Yeah, we're more like the. Was that Sean Connery? 
Yeah, that's the one. Fucking <laughs> that's that's one of the sorts of films we're likely to watch and have to talk about. Yeah, but join us again for a chat about who knows what. Uh, but you know they come out nice and regular, so you know the back catalogue, fill your boots, listen to the podcast, pop us in your apps, get us downloaded. Even if you don't listen, fucking subscribe. What are you selfish? <laughs> anyway, catch us again. Toodle pip. Bye bye. Bye.